You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. Hi, everyone. Paul Lang from Discipline Trading Strategies. In my pilot podcast, if you listen to it, I told you I would be discussing the markets with a little different point of view. This is my first actual episode, and it's called, Oh, Those Fundamentals. When I talk about my point of view, I'm being polite because I don't actually consider it my point of view. I consider most of the things I talk about an absolute fact, the only way to look at the markets. There are times where there are several different ways to look at things, and I may tell you it's my personal preference. But there are many things that are just right and wrong, and I want to tell you about fundamentals. It's one of those deceptions because when you come to the market, you think it's the way you have to look at things through fundamentals, of course. And naturally, if you listen to those financial shows, you hear discussion after discussion about the fundamentals. I started trading in 1998, and I've been watching every tick of the market for over 20 years now. I've been in the trenches trading, long-term investing, and helping to show people how to do it. You learn something doing that, and many things become crystal clear. The point of these podcasts is to share some of that knowledge with you. I thought I would start off with this one, a discussion about fundamentals, also because if you were to Google how to trade or how to make money in the market, you would quickly get taken to some discussion about the debate between technical and fundamental analysis. For example, here's the opening comment from Investopedia. Fundamental and technical analysis are two major schools of thought when it comes to approaching the markets, yet are at opposite ends of the spectrum. Investors and traders use both to research and forecast future stock prices. Like any investment strategy or philosophy, both have advocates and adversaries. That may be Investopedia's definition, and that may be appropriate for somebody who's just out as a layperson trying to figure out what investing or trading is all about. But the truth of it is, there's no truth to that whatsoever. For the average person, 99.999% of us, unless you have millions and millions of dollars that you plan to use to research in the market, there's only one way to make money in the market, and that's through technical analysis. I want to make a clear point here that I have no reason to say that unless it were the truth. If I thought the fundamental analysis was great or helped me to make money, I would be saying right now, hey, let's take a look at this fundamental analysis and I'll show you how to make money with it. But the truth is that you cannot. I want to run through several aspects and reasonings why. Hang with me a few minutes here and you might be amazed at what you hear. I suspect that many of you, if you've been playing in the market, you probably have had these thoughts, but you just think to yourself, well, it can't be true. Well, it is true. When I discuss topics or teach people concepts, I like to distinguish between my personal preference or opinion and what I consider to be fact. But when I know that it's fact, I want to actually prove it to you. I want to prove it to you as if I was in a court of law and had to convince you or a jury that what I'm saying is absolute fact. I'm going to do that for you for fundamentals. Let's start off with this. In the show notes, I have a slide there, a sheet that you're looking at, and it says at the top, all those fundamentals, and then technical versus fundamental analysis. You don't really need to pull it up if you don't want to. I'll tell you what's on it. It talks about what the fundamental approach would be. This method of evaluating stocks attempts to measure the value of a particular stock. The fundamental approach examines balance sheet, income statement, PE ratio, management book value, industry conditions, and the overall health of the economy. If you'd like to add something to that, that's fine. And what I like to do for you is I like to actually perform a fundamental analysis on a stock. We could pick any stock you like. As I look at my screen that's up in front of me, I see Tesla. Tesla closed at 242.65, the closing price the night before I'm doing this podcast. So here we go. I'm going to do a fundamental approach for you. Ready? 
I'm going to start off by having a slight edge over most of you. I'm going to go out there and use something that you may not have access to or be aware of. I'm going to go out on something called the internet. And this is an amazing tool if you haven't seen it. I'm going to go out on the internet and I'm going to look up all of these particulars. It's an incredible place, but I can go and find Tesla's balance sheet. It's incredible. I can find Tesla's balance sheet today. I can actually see what Tesla's balance sheet looked like last year. I can look at Tesla's income statement. I can look at the income statement today. I can see the income statement from last quarter. I can see all the quarters since Tesla became a company. And are you ready for this? I can see the next projected income statement. This is like printing money, obviously. I also look at the P.E. ratio. A lot of you probably are not familiar with that. It's called the price earnings ratio, and it's a magic number in fundamental analysis. The price divided by the earnings gives you a ratio of what the stock is trading for compared to its earnings. When that number gets too high, the stock obviously has to fall. And when that number gets too low, it obviously becomes a great buy. I'm going to look at the management of the company. Who's running Tesla? Who would be running Tesla if the top two, three people died? Where do those people come from? What was their prior success? I'm going to look at the book value of Tesla. If they had to sell all their assets, how much of that stock price is actually composed of their actual assets? I'm going to look at industry conditions. I believe Tesla makes cars. What are the conditions like for cars, electric cars? What's the future for all that? What's the overall health of the economy? Obviously, anybody selling anything, any stock in the market, the economy must come in and affect us somehow. So I'm going to look at the overall health of the economy. I'm going to look at inflation rates. I'm going to look at what the Fed's going to be doing. I'm going to look at all of these concepts. I just did that. And I have come up with a price of 262.65. After looking at all these fundamental concepts, I've determined that Tesla currently is trading $20 less than it should be based on its fundamentals. So I'm going to, first thing in the morning, buy Tesla and look for that $20 increase to be realized. As soon as people realize what Tesla's really worth, it'll rise to that level and I'll make my money. Now, if you're listening to that, you may be smiling, you may be aggravated with me, you may be chuckling. And you perhaps notice the sarcasm in my voice. And yes, there was sarcasm in my voice. But here's the important question for you. What I just did, isn't that exactly what a fundamental person does? No joke, no kidding. And yet you thought it was kind of funny. It is funny. It's ridiculous. What is Tesla actually worth? Well, millions of people got together over recent market sessions and said Tesla's worth 242.65. Seems to me that's exactly what Tesla is worth. Right here, if we're in a debate and you're on the fundamental side, you don't have much to say. I'm not done yet, but right there, how can you argue that somehow or another you're going to justify that Tesla is worth more or less than what it's actually trading for? The true value of a stock, what a stock is truly worth, is what everyone says it's worth at this exact moment in time based on the open auction system in the market. That's the great thing about price, that it always reflects the views of everything going on there. I'm not an idiot. I know fundamentals somehow, some way play into the price of stocks. Good stocks tend to go up, bad stocks tend to go bankrupt. But the question is, how do you know when it's happening? And most importantly, the key thing is that all of these fundamentals are built into the price at every moment the stock is trading. You have no right to ever step in and say, the world is wrong and I'm right because I went and I read the internet. Now, is there an exception to that? Of course there is. If you have true insider information, something that the rest of the world does not know, you have quite an edge. It may be illegal, it may not be illegal, but that's quite an edge. But I'm talking about information that only you and literally a handful of people know. It's not affected the price yet. 
don't tell me that you worked in the automotive industry for 20 years and therefore you're an expert and you know what's going on. That's ridiculous. I had people say that to me all the time. You have no edge whatsoever. So for the vast, vast, vast majority of people out there, fundamental analysis is something that simply is not helpful. But let me go on because that may not convince you. If you're going to look at those fundamentals, just what are you looking at? Do you know one of the best fundamental companies that ever existed? As a matter of fact, it was touted as being one of the most stable balance sheets of all the companies in the market. And that company's name was Enron. Maybe you've heard of it. Shortly after it had that fantastic balance sheet, it went broke. Why did Enron go broke? Well, you know why. There wasn't really any money there. It was all funny numbers. Oh, but Paul, that's just Enron. No, it's not. Bear Stearns, MCI, the list goes on and on and on, and hundreds of other companies you maybe never heard of. In addition to that, this happens all the time in companies. They just don't get caught with it. It's very common to be fudging numbers on a balance sheet. But let's forget the cynical view and let's say nobody's cheating. Do you realize that through acceptable accounting methods that two different accountants can do the books on the same company and come up with drastically different balance sheets and income statements using acceptable accounting methods? That's simply because there's a wide variety of discretion in how you can do a lot of things. I know this for a fact, ask any accountant. So it comes back to the question, even if for some reason you feel those fundamentals are important, just what are you looking at? Let me give you another one. And I do not mean this one in any kind of sarcasm whatsoever. The smartest person in the world about company fundamentals, I think probably without question, or certainly he's in the top 10, would be a guy named Jim Cramer. Now, I haven't listened to Jim Cramer in years, probably more than a decade. I Maybe I hear his commercial on TV once in a while. I know he's still around. But he literally knows every fundamental about every company. He probably knows the birthday of the spouse of every CEO of every company in the S&P 500. And what has all that knowledge gotten for him? Well, he has a show. He has a TV show. He's been for a long time. He's been running for a long time in that TV show. But how are his results? Well, don't take my word for it, but why don't you Google it? I've done that before. People have sent me articles, and I'm not going to go specific. But basically, he's lost money through the entire time he's made all these recommendations. As a matter of fact, there is actually a fund that has started that actually trades against his calls and is making money. That's kind of hysterical. But again, it begs the question, if you're going to go conquer the market by understanding fundamentals, you could never achieve the knowledge Jim Cramer has, and yet he can't do anything with them. Here's another one for you. I started trading in the late 90s. It was quite amazing because there were companies that were going up in value incredibly from two to $4 to 50 to $100. And if you wanted to look at these companies' fundamentals, you couldn't. Why couldn't you? Because they didn't have any. Because to have fundamentals, you have to have earnings. These companies had no earnings. A typical concept would be that a company would come on and say, at their earnings report, they would say, well, we promised you we'd have some earnings by next quarter, and we're not going to have any profit by then. As a matter of fact, it's going to be at least a couple more quarters before we have profit. And by the way, we probably have to borrow some more money, issue more shares in order to make it to the end of the year. What happened to the stock price? It doubled in the next six months. That's the way things are, because you're always buying the anticipation of what a company may be worth. Some of these companies went bankrupt. Some of them became Microsoft and Google and Amazon. You just don't know back then what you're going to be doing. As I said, I'm not stupid. I know that somehow good companies go up in price, but how does that help you make money? In other words, at any moment in time, a great company could be topping out. 
Back in the middle of my trading career, GE was touted as being the best company in America. It would never fall apart. GE went almost broke. It was taken out of the Dow 30. It was the last company to be taken out of the Dow 30. And I know you can look back and tell me all the reasons you think it happened, but how does it help you in the moment? If you bought the best stock in America, you would have lost 90% of your money over the next few years. You could say the same thing about Apple. You could tell me Apple is the best fundamental company there is. Okay. But could you agree with me that sometime over the next 20 years, Apple will top out and hit a price from which we'll never see again? Maybe it'll go down a lot. Maybe it'll go broke. We don't know. No company lives forever. But the point is, if you bought Apple at the day it hit its all-time high, you would be buying the greatest company in America, and yet you would lose money the entire time. I don't want to buy the greatest company in America. I want to buy a company that goes up in price because my goal and your goal, everyone's goal, should be to make money. I know someone that's owned Apple forever. And to them, investing is easy. Just buy Apple and you're all set. Well, when I started trading, Apple was a stock that was very much talked about. I actually used Apple computers before I started trading. To me, they're far superior computers in every way, shape, and form. But when I started trading, I had to switch to the Windows counterpart because only Windows could really run trading platforms properly at that time. I didn't look it up, but in my mind, Apple was about an $8 stock at that time. What I do know was it was hated by everyone on Wall Street. They had a superior computer and they couldn't market it for some reason. There were comics I would see where people would be using the Apple computer for an alarm clock, and it was dubbed the most expensive alarm clock in the world. I saw another comic where somebody had it chained to their rowboat and it was an expensive anchor. It was very frustrating to investors because Apple couldn't seem to capitalize on their superior computer. Or commercials, or advertising, wherever it was, I really don't know, don't care. So who would have thought Apple would ever develop into anything? It was very well discussed that Apple was gonna go broke, go bankrupt. Well, along comes the iPod, and guess what? It started a trend, it started a pattern, and slowly, 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 Apple gained a following that's never been duplicated. Of course, it led to the iPhone, and they rode a wave of incredible technology that they stayed on top of. Easy when you look back, but if you go back to the day of Apple, who would have picked Apple? There were a dozen other stocks you could have picked, some went on to be great companies as well, like Amazon, but nine out of 10 went broke. So it's easy in hindsight. And the point is right now, if you're starting off today, if you have a portfolio from 20 years back and you've hung on to everything that worked for you, you're probably doing fine. You're probably not listening to me. But if you're today trying to catch up on your retirement or begin investing right now or trading in the market, where do you go? Do you buy Apple today? What do you do? Well, that's why we looked at technical analysis and not fundamentals. I do not use fundamentals in any way, shape, or form. And as a matter of fact, I'm here to tell you that not only should you not look at them, which will save you some time, but you should not look at them because they will distract you and confuse you. They are meaningless in terms of what we want to do. Some more comments to explain if you believe in the fundamental approach. Have you ever seen a stock give great earnings and then crumble for months? It happens all the time. How do you explain that as a fundamental person? And when you come up with your explanation, then tell me how you think fundamentals works better than technicals. And no, the common answer I hear a lot, let's use fundamentals for finding our watch list of great companies and technical analysis for timing, that also is garbage. Because you show me the best fundamental company in the world that doesn't have the right chart, I'm never gonna buy it. You show me a company you think is garbage, but has the right chart, I am gonna buy it. Remember in the 1990s, you could have made tons of money on stocks that went from four to 100. Some continued to be great investments, some fell apart, but we're not in them when they fall apart. Why? 
because following technicals, we know to get out. We don't ever fall in love with a company and stick with it. In today's market, you can't. Every stock, every company you decide to take, long or short, has to perform for you. It has to do what you want it to do. Things can change quickly because so many stocks today are driven by technology, they're involved in technology or services. Long ago, it wasn't the case. If you go back to the 60s in the stock market, the major capitalization was all in metal, automobile, manufacturing, all the big type of factory jobs that couldn't go out of business, couldn't be driven out of business very shortly because of another company. They were all very long-lasting companies because the industry was a slow-moving industry. But fast forward to the 90s, and everything became tech. Technology and services became the number one capitalization of the stock market. Technology can change on a dime. Two kids in a garage come up with a technology for almost no cost that can drive a company out of business. It happens all the time, you see it all the time. Big name companies have gone down to nothing because they didn't keep up properly. Look at Blockbuster Video, big company at one point. Somebody decided that the internet was not ever gonna work for showing movies. Oops, little mistake. Take a look at Kodak. If you went back, I don't know, to the 70s, I think, maybe mid 80s, and you asked any person on the street that didn't know the market and just said, hey, can you name a Dow 30 company for me? They would have said Kodak probably. It was probably the most popular name in the Dow 30. Kodak went to almost zero. Same thing. How do you know? You could probably explain to me and go look up why it did it, but you know what? You wouldn't know in real time. And also, I don't care. What I want to do is I want to follow the big money that is making these decisions, right or wrong, because it really doesn't matter. If several big funds are all going to sell a stock, that stock is going to drop dramatically in price. I don't care if it's a good company, as you call it, a bad company, it doesn't matter what it is. I don't want to be holding on to that stock while it gets cut in half or more than that. We see that happen a lot, happens all the time. That's what supply and demand is all about. That's what following technicals is all about. I hope I have made my point very clear, and I think I've proven it beyond any doubt. When you go in to start learning to trade or invest, the things you look about on the internet are often completely wrong or basically worthless, useless, not enough information. There is a reason why talk shows, financial shows, discuss fundamentals all the time. I'm going to get into that in another episode, talking about the pundits, the new shows. That's a whole other topic we can discuss and why they need to push fundamentals and why that's important, but it doesn't help you and it'll never help you to make money. Again, I want to emphasize that it's not that fundamentals are irrelevant, it's that they're already built into price into an extent that we don't know by reading the fundamentals. We do know by looking at the chart, and that's why charts are supreme. They contain all of the information about news, about fundamentals, if you know how to understand and read a chart. Big problem for a lot of people, technical analysis gets boohooed sometimes because these are people who don't really ever understand technical analysis. They have a cursory understanding of what it is. I've read a lot of people on the discussion about it. I've read some of the things on the internet that tell you how to trade using technicals. And most of them, to be honest with you, are just dead wrong. They're not even correct. You have to have a really great understanding of how to read a chart. I call it a discipline trading strategies, the language of charts. When you really understand it, you will see that technical analysis gives you a fantastic edge in what you need to make money. Long-term investing, short-term swing trading, day trading, scalping, whatever it is you want to do. In future discussions, I will be going into some of the other things that are no-nos, such as news and the pundits. I'm also going to be talking about some of the benefits of technical analysis and going through several specific things. You should see in the notes a list of some upcoming topics. I have on my computer about 100 topics ready to go 
because I've been talking about these things for a long time. I'll keep the next six or so posted for you so you can look forward to the upcoming podcasts. Until next time, this is Paul for DTS. Good trading, everybody. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.